What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops to your jobs. Appreciate y'all coming back. Later tonight, we'll be doing the Steelers-Chiefs wild card game. Sean is expected to be on the stream as well as Lucas, so we'll have a fun time there. Boys and Big Apple is returning on Tuesday. It's going to be a Tuesday show from now till whenever a schedule change happens. But Tuesday right now seems like the best day for all of us. Twin Bill obviously is on NYY News TV every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. And just an update, I apologize for not being on YouTube during the big news and releasing videos about general manager candidates I was on vacation, actually near MetLife Stadium. I was going to the American Dream Mall and doing a couple of things there and just really spending some time in that part of the community. And I made a joke on Twitter, and a lot of people actually liked it. And a content creator actually shouted me out and said, well, you should keep doing it. I said, every time I stay within the area of MetLife Stadium or just go to a game, it seems like the Giants are winning somehow. First time the Giants won against the Jets in 2018, which was the preseason. Second time Giants win against the Bears, 2019 preseason. Giants beat the Eagles this past season. Obviously in November, I think it was the 28th, they won, so that's 3-0. And then 4-0 when I was most recently in that area. And the New York Giants fired Joe Judge. That obviously was meant to be a joke. And let me say this before I go into my thoughts on the Joe Judge firing. And I understand it's late news and nobody really wants to talk about it. But I haven't gotten the chance to really make a video or just say my thoughts on it other than Twitter. Because Twitter's one thing. I would like to get my voice out on it. But... I don't honestly think that a lot of people wanted Joe Judge fired. Like, yeah, somebody lost their job. Yeah. I think it was more towards the Giants are trying to change for the better. And John Mara actually is seeming like he's going to try to do something correct. With Steve Tisch's help. Because it would have been really weird for the next GM to come in and have to make a decision... His first general manager decision, or hers, whoever it may be, on Joe Judge. And I feel in that position that the general manager, whoever it may be, or in that scenario would have been, would have been scared to fire Joe Judge. And they would have just taken the job and say, okay, well, you know, I'll work with Joe Judge. But with that being said, let me get my thoughts on it. So I was actually really surprised. I was happy that John Mara actually made the move, along with Steve Tisch. But we saw from an article that apparently Steve Tisch was the one who said, okay, we need to start this over again. And John Mara was really inclined to give Joe Judge a third year as the New York Giants head coach. Obviously, it didn't work that way. Do I think he got a fair shot 100%? Absolutely not. Because he was given two years to win. 
and Dave Gettleman was still breathing on him, and there was a lot of personnel fuck-ups, but at the same time, at the same time, he did not help himself. I thought his philosophy was outdated. The constant conservative mindset, the lack of aggressiveness, which goes to the last point I just made, the offensive production stunk, and a lot of other things. And I honestly think, like a lot of other failed head coaches, that Joe Judge can be a successful head coach in the NFL. I honestly think that. Because I think there are some negatives, but there are a lot of positives with him in different ways. If he gets a head coaching job somewhere, now I don't know that he will. Personally, it's really none of my business if he does. You know, Twitter will make something of that if that ever happens. But with that being said, if he gets a successful roster somewhere, I think he will win a couple of games. Now, will he be a Super Bowl winning head coach if he ever gets another head coaching opportunity? I don't think so. But both things can be true. And past this episode, I likely will not talk about Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman again, unless something unforeseen happens or whatever. Because I am tired of just ranting on the Giants. I want to move forward with my life. I want to move forward with my fandom. And ever since they made the change, I just feel a little more pumped about this general manager search. Because there's a lot of candidates, I will admit, that John Mara and Steve Tisch have organized the interview. Chris Mara is a part of that, unfortunately, as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's a lot of candidates that actually have solid resumes. A lot of people have put in good names and have said good things about those candidates. And guess what? None of them have Giants ties. They're not interviewing Kevin Abrams or Chris Mara or Chris Pettit, or Tim McDonald. They're not interviewing those guys. All of these guys are outside of the organization. The closest thing to a Giants connection you'll get is Adrian Wilson. Actually, no, it was not Adrian Wilson. It was Quentin Harris, I think. It was Quentin Harris. He played for the Giants in an offseason. I think it was 2006. And then when a certain candidate, I believe it was Ryan Cowden, he was in the same front office, I believe, as Dave Gettleman in 2015 and a couple of years before that. With that being said, I don't really want to talk about that. I want to move forward. I want to talk about the Mara Presser just a little bit, and then we're going to go into each candidate. And I will remind you guys, I'm not trying to make excuses here, but it is... A little bit difficult to find a word on these guys because there's no proven general manager that the Giants elected to interview. It's not, oh, Lewis Riddick said this or, you know, they're interviewing him and he said this on ESPN and that's where his analysis comes from, whatever. They're not interviewing Lewis Riddick. He's not even a thought in the Giants' mind. And I honestly like that because he would be horrible as an actual GM. And then you have... A guy like John Dorsey, which, once again, they did not elect to interview. So these guys, the closest you'll get to a general manager is an assistant GM. There are, I believe, two of those on this list. There's Joe Shane of the Buffalo Bills, and there's Adam Peters of the San Francisco 49ers. Two candidates that are praised by Giants fans and a lot of really, I would say... I can't 
proven people. That's a lack of better words kind of phrase. But a lot of proven people and a lot of good names have put good words in for these candidates. Bill Parcells actually put in a good word for Joe Shane because Parcells hired Joe Shane in Miami. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. John Maris Presser. I don't have too much to take away from it. Obviously, he's very down in the dumps and looking to move forward. He really didn't want to fire Joe Judge. And, you know, he just wasn't really ready to make that move. But obviously, Steve Tisch came in and said, we got to rebuild this thing. But I do like, and I criticize them a lot because I feel like some of them are just pushing their agenda in terms of being homers and mouthpieces for the New York Giants. But two B reporters actually pushed very hard questions to the fact and to the matter of where John Mara was actually getting pissed off. Three of them, more like two of them, but one of them tried putting two questions in one and Mara got pissed because you can only have one question, no follow-ups, which is stupid. And they didn't even air it on WFAN. But with that being said, it's over. What can you do about it? So... He was pressed by Dan Duggan and Jordan Ronan about his brother. Because a lot of people in the Giants community have pressed the beat reporters and just have really been aggravated with the whole nepotism thing. Oh, Chris Mara, he's the director of player personnel. At least that's what I think. Why is he in the general manager interviews? Which is my question. Which is literally my question. Which is one of the things that pisses me off about these upcoming interviews and all this crap. They have two more candidates. But with the past interviews and a couple other things. Why is Chris Mara, if he doesn't have a sway or has an equal sway like everybody else in the building, like everybody else in the front office, why is he in the general manager search? Why is he included in that? But Tim McDonald and Chris Pettit and Kevin Abrams aren't. Kevin Abrams is the assistant GM right now. You could actually make more sense if you included him in the GM search and the GM Zoom meetings. But they put Chris Mara in. And John Mara, when responding to those questions, was like, oh, well, this is a perception put out by the media. Well, obviously, Giant Insider was very happy that a lot of people got, I would say, angry because he was deflecting it and saying, oh, it's the media. That's the people who are putting out the perception of the nepotism. Because Giant Insider said Chris Mara has nothing to do with what the Giants are doing and he's not a factor in the building oh it's only Dave Gettleman but a lot of people including myself have pressed them repeatedly because he's in those meetings and if he just gives opinions on drafting players and types of players from different schools meaning Chris Mara of course if he does that why is he in the GM meetings and why is he director of player personnel? Because if you're director of player personnel, you probably have to do a little bit more than that. The average Joe, the average Joe who does a mock draft, 
probably can do the same thing as Chris Merritt does in the building, supposedly. But no, he's in those GM search meetings. He's in those Zoom meetings for some reason, which obviously Jordan Ronan and Dan Duggan pushed John Merritt about, and he deflected it and said, this is a perception by the media, which is not true. Because I will defend the B reporters here and some of these giant fans, which is not true. Because if Chris Mara just gives his opinions on certain players that could be drafted, whatever, why is he in the GM meetings? Once again, it would make more sense if it was Kevin Abrams, but it wasn't. So those are my takeaways, really. Obviously, we didn't get to see Steve Tisch talk. But when do we ever see him talk? When was the last press conference Steve Tisch had? But anyway, so let's go into the candidates. Because this might be a long podcast. This may be a short podcast. We'll see how this plays out. Because there are nine candidates. Two of them have yet to be interviewed. Two of the interviews are actually happening on Monday. Seven. No. I think there's, yeah, there's nine candidates, and seven of them have already been interviewed. And once again, I apologize if there's a little bit of a lack of research, and I'm just spitting shit right out my mouth, but the best you'll get in terms of these guys and their positions now as assistant GM, and even then, you won't get much on them. Uh, you know, besides, oh, this guy pulled for this guy or Bill Parcells said something about this guy. So I'm going to spoil a little bit of a segment that we're going to do later on to wrap up the show and say that Joe Shane from the Buffalo Bills is my number one candidate. Now let's talk about his resume. Carolina Panthers ticketing intern 2001. Worked with Brandon Bean. That's where he met Brandon Bean. And this started a 20-plus year relationship. Now, some of the time during that relationship, they were not together in the same organization because Brandon Bean, I think, stayed in the Panthers organization until he was hired as the GM in Buffalo. Meanwhile, Joe Shane spent a little bit of time with the Miami Dolphins. But let's go through it. So he was a combine scout in 2002 for the Panthers. And when it was an area scout between 2003 and 2007 for the Panthers as well. Moved on to the Miami Dolphins as a national scout between 2018 and 2013. He was hired by Bill Parcells. So that's obviously a good factoid to put in there. Uh, he was the director. I know I said director, but director of player personnel between 2014 and 2016 and was hired as the assistant general manager in 2017 alongside Brandon Bean in Buffalo. So there's a lot to take away with Joe Shane. This is probably the most research and the most factoids I'll throw at you guys for this episode because I just like Joe Shane. I think that a lot of people across many organizations who need GMs right now are looking at this guy, and that's why there's a lot of stuff out there on him. 
And if we get Joe Shane, I think that's a win. Remember, he's my number one candidate. So, I'm going to pull up a couple of quotes here. So, let's see. Which one should I go with first? Let's go with this one. During his interview with the Giants, this was obviously recently, and apparently the two have been talking, just not formally, in an interview, because that would be against league policy, and Dave Gettleman was still the general manager. But during his interview with the Giants, Joe Shane suggested to ownership that he would want full control of all of the team's personnel decisions if hired, one of those decisions being able to pick the head coach. That should be a given. Any general manager that comes in here, whether it's Joe Schmo, Joe Shane, Ron Carthon, Rand Carthon, whatever the hell his name is, Adrian Wilson, Quentin Harris, whether I like the hiring or not, you need to give all of the chess pieces to the GM. Because guess what, folks? This front office, site personnel, needs to be reconstructed. Because this whole front office and this just group of people has not been working. Chris Pettit needs to be gone. Kevin Abrams, Chris Mara needs to be gone, but he won't be gone. Uh, Tim McDonald, those guys need to be gone. Now, why do I like Joe Shane more than the other guys? Because I believe he's very, very hands-on. And he has he probably has the most experience among these guys. So he reconstructed the front office and the scouting unit along with the analytics department in 2017 with Brandon Bean. Now, there was only one year in that tenure so far that the Buffalo Bills had an under 500 record, and I think that was actually the only year where they actually didn't make the playoffs. That was 2018 when they had Josh Allen. They went 6-10. and 10. With that being said, loves looking at players with versatility, basically players that are not just, oh, they fit this scheme only. System players is that we're, is, you know what we're getting at here. Like we had with the uh, James Betcher crew and Kareem Martin. And he also uses analytics. And this is what I love about Joe Shane as well. Obviously, I mentioned the reconstruction. But I'll pull up a quote later if I have it. He really looks into building through the draft, obviously. That's what a lot of successful teams do. And with that being said, he looks at the future. He knows that some of these players might leave. He knows some of these coordinators might leave. So he doesn't want to make it where, oh, well, this player only fits this scheme and the coordinator's gone, so bye-bye. No, he doesn't want to do that. He wants versatile players. He believes in building to the NFL draft and looks at versatile players. You look at the Buffalo Bills. Do they really spend a lot of money in free agency, no matter the cap situation? I'll pull up a couple of hits in a little bit. And before the 2018 draft, I believe, or was somewhere around that time period, the Bills actually did a video on Joe Shane going to the University of Buffalo and just talking to different people, talking to the coaches, talking to the players, and the prospects that were coming out. So there, he is very hands-on, going to schools, checking out people's personalities, 
What's your background? How many siblings do you have? Do you not have a mother? Do you have a single father? Whatever the case may be. Because we all know that the Giants don't fucking do that. We all know. DeAndre Baker is a big freaking example. Some of these other guys that the Giants have brought in last couple of years, we know that they don't do that. Joe Shane does that. So if he comes in, he's going to get guys in here that will do that. Maybe he'll just create positions so guys can do that. I like that about Joe Shane. So here is a quote of his. This relates to the NFL draft and a couple of other things just in his time in Buffalo thus far. This is a direct quote from him. A lot of my background is the personnel. So watching film, pro, college, draft, prospects, free agency, the waiver wire. That's a majority of my day. But when we got to the Bills, we had to hire a scouting staff. We didn't have an analytics department. We didn't have a scouting system so early on. Brandon and I did a lot of that together. The grading scale is pretty simple. Like 7.0 is a first-round pick and a first-year starter who makes an immediate impact. We've seen over the last couple of years, just with Giants drafts, whether it's Gettleman or Reese, some of these players, yeah, they're good players, but they're not immediate slam dunk impacts. Dexter Lawrence, I mean, he's a good player. He doesn't play on every down. He's not an immediate impact guy. So there's that. And here is a quote from Brandon Bean on Joe Shane. A couple of quotes, if you will. Instead of rushing to the seat and then trying to figure it out, Joe's that guy that he wants to have all the answers to the test before he goes and sits down. Very few, Very few people are like that. There are so many people in this business that are just trying to get into that head coaching seat, the GM seat, and maybe they're not ready for it. I have no doubt he's going to be ready for it. He's a great communicator. He understands people. You're not going to outwork him. I obviously mentioned the one quote about the analytics and all that other stuff with Joe Shane before I mentioned the bean quote. He also said this, I work with the analytics department. I work with our personnel department, sometimes with football operations. So, once again, that has to be done. I work with our communications. I touch a lot of different departments throughout the building. So, then he goes on to say the quote before. Um, here's what Bill Parcells had to say about him. To The Athletic in 2019, but those two worked with each other in the late 2000s in Miami. Here's what Parcells had to say. I was impressed with Joe because he was a sharp guy and he had a good thought process when it came to evaluating players. And here is Joe Shane on his relationship with Brandon Bean. With the Bills, I think Brandon and I are aligned and that we both believe in the draft and building through the draft. It's kind of our Super Bowl. Our chance to affect the roster moving forward, not just in 2019, but hopefully on into the future. We understand the task at hand and how important it is. There's not a big margin for error. So here are a couple of key hits, and I'll mention like three free agents, because as I mentioned before, the Bills are not really a team that go out in free agency and overspend, because they build through the draft and they have sustained success. 
key hits over the last few years. I didn't really count the last two drafts because you have to wait a couple of years to really grade that. So let's start around 2017. Tredavious White, number one cornerback, one of the best corners in the league when healthy. Matt Milano, fifth round, good linebacker. Deion Dawkins, their starting left tackle, found in the second round of the next draft, I believe. Josh Allen, first round, obviously franchise quarterback with all the weapons around him. They completely demolished the Patriots last night. Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker alongside Matt Milano. So you drafted two starting linebackers. Harrison Phillips, good defensive lineman. Taron Johnson, decent corner. Ed Oliver, first-round pick, defensive lineman. Cody Ford, offensive tackle in the second round. Devin Singletary, which a lot of people thought he dropped off. He's starting to come about. And one thing I just like about the Bills, and I said this on Twitter, and when we get to the head coaching stuff, Brian Dable will be on my list. He probably will be top two, maybe even number one. But a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, they just abandoned the running game. That is true, but they are very successful when they run the football. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, some of the other guys they run out of the backfield, they are top 10 in rushing offense, top 10 in passing offense. They're also top 10 in defense, which, in my opinion, it stands out from all these other guys. The Bills are very balanced. They have a good defense, and they have a good offense. Top 10 in most of the categories that you can count and you can rely on. So, I obviously said Devin Singletary, Dawson Knox, he had a good game against the Patriots. So, obviously, you got to count him there. Some free agent hits. Star Lutelele, if I'm saying that correctly, he was, I believe, drafted by Dave Gettleman in Carolina. They brought him over, and he looks like he's working. John Feliciano, former Raiders offensive lineman, and Cole Beasley, former Cowboys wide receiver. He obviously is doing a very good job in Buffalo. So that's it for Joe Shane. I enjoyed talking about him, so we have eight more candidates to get to. Let me go to Joe Ortiz of the Baltimore Ravens, because I'll get to polls later and a couple other guys. But let's go to Joe Ortiz. I'm not going in order as, oh, well, this candidate's here for me, this candidate's here, whatever. So he started out as an undergrad assistant for the Auburn Tigers. He was a player for them a few years before, but he worked with the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and he also coached the scout team linebackers and defensive backs. Then in 1998, he started with the Ravens as a personnel assistant, going on 24 years now. He was a Northeast Scout between 2001 and 2002, also known as an area scout. Southeast Scout between 2003 and 2005, covered the SEC, CUSA, ACC, area scout again. Promoted to National Scout in 2006, carried that duty till 2009 when he was promoted to the Director of College Scouting until 2018 when he was promoted the next year to the director of player personnel. And he's been holding that duty ever since. 
So I'll read a couple of quotes from Giants.com because surprisingly, they do have a good couple of nuggets on him. Ortiz, 46, is completing his 24th season with the Baltimore Ravens and third as director of player personnel. He works closely with George, I don't know how to pronounce that, Kokinis, the team's other director of player personnel to oversee all aspects of college and pro scouting for Baltimore. The pair serve as general manager Eric DaCosta's chief personnel evaluators. Ortiz joined the Baltimore organization in 98 and worked for three years with the pro and college scouting staffs as a football personnel assistant, helping both then general manager Ozzie Newsom and senior vice president of football administration Pat Moriarty, who manages the salary cap. Ortiz spent 10 seasons as the Ravens director of college scouting. He was responsible for all aspects of the college process, coordinating the schedules and cross-checking duties of area and national scouts. I apologize if I'm wheezing or, you know, I just sound like a mouth breather right now. I apologize for that. And national scouts. Ortiz also managed the team's draft preparation and evaluation and ranking process of hundreds of NFL draft eligible prospects. So I have a mixed opinion on Joe Ortiz. I'm going to take a sip so I can sound like not a mouth breather. <clears throat> I apologize for that. Hopefully you turn down your earbuds for two seconds. Anyway, Ortiz would probably be on my top four. I'm not going to say where. But there are positives and negatives with the Baltimore Ravens. They have a very type defense. They have a very scheme-built defense. And this year really showed that sometimes you can't say, oh, well, this team overcame an injury, you know, how many years in a row? Because the Baltimore Ravens defense was actually pretty terrible this year. They've had a lot of people out. A lot of starting corners and safeties. Don Martindale's unit really didn't look good this past year. They finished the season at 8-9. and nine. And once again, injuries and a lot of other things. But the one thing I admire about them is the depth part. The depth part. They got Tyler Huntley. They draft on the offensive line consistently. Now, is it always perfect? Is it always up to par? No. Bradley Bozeman, I believe, was drafted by them. Ben Cleveland, a lot of Giant fans wanted him this past year. They have Tristan Colon, Pat McCarry, Ben Powers. They signed Alejandro Villanueva. I mean, he wasn't that good this past year. They you know, signed Kevin Zeitler. They're a big depth team. And obviously it Really didn't execute this year because they finished the season 8-9 and nine for a number of reasons. And I'm not going to act like some Ravens specialist. You can go talk to a Ravens fan. They'll tell you everything. But with that being said, they, other than this year, have proven that they could draft players. And then if they don't feel like bringing them back, bye-bye. Similar to really what the Patriots have been doing. They let go of Matt Judon, which may or may not have been the best idea. They drafted Odafe away, also known as Jason away, for those of you who don't know, 
five sacks. I mean, that's not totally a bummer season. Jalen Ferguson, Tyus Bowser, all those guys. Patrick Queen, he's trying to come into something as a linebacker. They drafted Rashad Bateman. They have a ton of depth at wide receiver, even though they're more of a running football team. So I don't really have a spit right there diagnosis on Hortiz. And obviously, once again, it's tough to say because, well, he's not the general manager or assistant general manager. But with that being said, they do draft good in terms of depth. And I don't know what else to say, to be honest. Even though their last two, three drafts really haven't hit too well. I mean, yeah, Oda Feoe is a, is a good edge rusher. Not top tier, but he's good. Um... Let me see what else. Rashad Bateman, I think he caught his first touchdown a couple of weeks ago. Last year draft, I mean, you can't really make too many assumptions because it was only a year ago. J.K. Dobbins, great pick in the second round. Patrick Queen, obviously, they're working on that. Uh, Devin Duvernay, he was just named an All-Pro because of his special teams attributes, so there's that. Marquise Brown. Even though he said he had a dry 1,000-yard season, I would take that. Jalen Ferguson, he's a decent player, not too good. He's just a depth player. He's a depth player, but a lot of hit or miss. Or I should say really in between with this Ravens team because it's not a good pick. It's not a bad pick, but at the same time, you could have picked better. That's just my opinion. Where it says an 18 draft, you had a lot of good freaking picks. Hayden Hurst, before he got traded, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown, Lamar Jackson, a couple other guys in that draft, Bradley Bozeman. He's been their starting center, starting left guard, starting right guard, whatever the case may be, for the past couple of seasons now. So it's not totally a failure in terms of the drafting. I just would like to see a little more consistency in terms of starters, at least over the last three years. But as far as Ortiz goes... I'd probably take him in my top four. That doesn't mean he's my number one. I already mentioned Shane's my number one. So let's go to both Titans guys real quickly. And you don't have a ton of really information on these guys. I think I have more on Cowden. But let's go to Monty Austinford. So if Joe Judge would have stayed, he probably would have been the favorite because those two work like this in New England. And I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of people are high on Austin Ford. Me, not really. He spent only two seasons in Tennessee. I'll go over his resume right now. So he was a training camp intern for the Vikings in 2001. 2002, he was a scouting personnel intern. 2003, he went over to the Patriots to be a personnel assistant for a year. Went back to the Texans in 2004 as a pro and college scouting assistant. In 2005, he was a college scout. 2006, goes back to New England and goes through a lot of roles. Area scout, national scout, director of college scouting between 2014 and 2019. 2020, wants to spread his wings, goes to Tennessee as the director of player personnel. This year, he was promoted to the vice president of football operations. So, 
you could ask me, oh, well, you know, why don't you like Austin Ford and why don't you like the New England part of his background? So they've gotten a lot of late-round picks right. David Andrews was an undrafted free agent. Shaq Mason in the later rounds. Marcus Cannon in the later rounds. He got traded to the Texans, I think, two years ago. Ted Karras. Isaiah Wynn. There's a lot of guys there. And I'm talking specifically on the offensive line. And you look at the wide receivers and tight ends. Running back is a different story because I think they have some solid, not too great running backs. But you look at the wide receivers and the tight ends. And you look at what this team lacks. It's not really much of a fit. I mean, yeah, we drafted Kadarius Tony. He really hasn't worked out. A lot of injuries. Kenny Galladay. And you even look at the free agent route of the New England Patriots. They got Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Great. Two good tight ends. What about the wide receiver core? They're all placeholders. Sorry, not sorry. Kendrick Bourne. Nelson Aguilar. Some of the other guys they have. They're placeholders. They're not top-tier wide receivers. So that's my thing. And I understand the offensive line, key need for the Giants this offseason. But I'm just really scared that the New England personality from Monty Ossonfort is going to come in if he's the GM and we're going to start really drafting crappy on the offense except for the offensive line. And you could say, oh, well, the New England Patriots, you know, they've been a successful team the last couple seasons despite their drafting. Does anyone know who their coach is? Open and shut conversation, thank you very much. But Austin Ford, he's not in my top four. I'm going to be honest with you. I honestly like Ryan Cowden a little bit better. Because I think in ways he's had some better experience. And listen, you win a couple of rings with the New England Patriots, great. But I just don't like their drafting the last couple of years. I'm not talking about free agency. I'm talking about the draft in terms of offense. They draft good on defense. J.C. Jackson was an undrafted free agent. A couple other guys that they got in the draft. Josh Uche, I don't think he was much of an impact this year. But just the offensive side of the ball. Just role players. Nikhil Harry was a first-round pick. That's why I'm not crazy about Austin Ford. Sorry, not sorry. I have that New England bias. Anyway, Ryan Cowden. Don't have too much on him. But between 2000 and 2015, he was in a number of roles for the Carolina Panthers, scouting assistant and an area scout. National and Senior College Scout, Assistant Director of College Scouting with the Carolina Panthers, then moved on to Tennessee. Between 2016 and 2017, was the Director of Player Personnel, and then moved up to the Vice President of Player Personnel in 2017. So he got that role and has been holding that role ever since. And then here's a little description on the Giants website because they create many articles for the guys they interview for the GM job and the head coaching job, obviously, as well. Here's what it says. Cowden oversees all areas of Tennessee's scouting department, both college and pro, including advanced scouting for agency preparation and evaluation of players in the NFL and all other professional leagues. He also assists with college scouting and preparation for the NFL draft. So... What it looks like to me, now, obviously, this could be anyone that holds the same position, but it looks like he's hands-on in his role. Not as much as Joe Shane, because obviously Shane 
holds a higher role in his organization. But with that being said, Cowden looks like he does a decent job for the Tennessee Titans, and he's been there longer than Austin Ford. Now, the thing I will take against the Titans, obviously they traded for Tannehill. Whatever you think of Tannehill, he puts up decent numbers. Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Matt trade right now. Obviously, we'll see how that turns out in the long run. The defense, the last two seasons, meh. Signed to Norris Jenkins. I think he had a decent season. They drafted Caleb Farley in the first round of this past draft. And let's be real. Let's be honest. He was very injury prone coming into the draft. He had a back procedure and then tore his ACL. Hope he's okay. But let's be honest. I kind of would want to stay away from that. So with that being said, I kind of would take Cowden in some parts over uh, Monty Ford. So I'm going to go to the Arizona guys and then I'll finish up with the rest of the guys on this list. We got Peters, Adam Peters from the San Francisco 49ers. We have Ryan Poles. And then we also have the two guys from Arizona, which I'll talk about right now. Uh, let me go to Quentin Harris first. So Quentin Harris was a defensive back in the NFL Played for the Cardinals between 2002 and 2005. Spent an offseason with the New York Giants in 2006. And then 2006-2007 was with the Denver Broncos. So his career from there, after he retired, 2008-2013, he was just a scout. In 2013, he was promoted to the director of pro scouting. Was put in that position until 2018. Then promoted to the director of player personnel until 2020 and 2021 was promoted to Vice President of Player Personnel. Um, to be specific, between 2010 and 2012, he was an Assistant Pro Personnel Director. But with that being said, here is the little description on him. And then I'll go to Adrian Wilson, just explain my thought process with this whole, what if we get a guy from Arizona? A 14-year member of the Arizona Cardinals scouting department, Harris was promoted to vice president of player personnel last February. In that role, Harris works with general manager Steve Kime, managing both college and pro personnel departments. His duties include evaluating the top college prospects nationally as well as the organization and implementation of the draft process. He oversees the personnel department, pro personnel department, which includes player acquisition, evaluation, and assisting with player ne contract negotiations. So let's go to Adrian Wilson. And this guy, even if I, to be honest with you, like the organization that he was coming from, he's had very limited experience. You could say that, oh, well, John Lynch, right? Adam Peters is actually running the show. And a lot of people actually didn't or don't realize that because... There is actually an article out there by, I believe it was Sports Illustrated, that was written a couple of days ago. Promote Adam Peters to general manager. Because they're basically saying, look, John Lynch and his relationship with Kyle Shanahan, it's kind of fading. Let Peters take on the role of general manager and Lynch be that guy that's the publicity guy that is the face of the front office. But Adam Peters is actually the general manager. But with that being said, let's go to Adrian Wilson. Five-time Pro Bowl safety, one-time All-Pro, 
played in the NFL between 2001 and 2012, was a regional scout for the Cardinals between 2015 and 2018, was promoted to the director of pro scouting between well, in 2019, and had that position until 2021 when he was promoted to the vice president of pro scouting. So here is a description on him. Wilson is completing his seventh season with the Arizona Cardinals scouting department and first as the team's vice president of pro personnel after being promoted in February 2021. In that role, Wilson supervises the pro scouting staff and oversees all pro player evaluation, the advance scouting process, free agency, and the daily monitoring of player transactional movement in all professional leagues. He also assists with college scouting, including evaluations of all juniors and cross-checking top draft prospects. So I'm going to go into something real quick. I'm going to go into the 2019 Arizona Cardinals. So let me get this straight with you guys. I'm not going to just beat it around the bush. I really don't like the way the Cardinals have done things. They're a good team. Listen, shout out to them, right? They've gotten a lot of things right. But you take a look at their team. Mostly done via free agency of the trades. A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones. That was a free agent move from the Patriots. Let's take a look at their drafts. Kyler, Kyler Murray. Obviously, that's that's a hit. Andy Isabella in the second round. Meh. Meh. Does it really... And I'm just saying this as an organization... Because obviously it's not on Quentin Nelson, Quentin Nelson, Quentin Harris specifically, and it's not on Adrian Wilson specifically. It's not on them specifically, but just the organization, just the way they're doing things. Hakeem Butler, meh, fourth round, barely in the NFL anymore. Deontay Thompson, he's still playing for them, so I'll give them that. Was a supplemental pick. No, that was Jalen Thompson or whatever the hell his name is. But that looks like a good pick. Zach Allen out of Boston College. Six sacks in three years in the NFL. Yeah, That's a third-round pick. So maybe I'm overjudging. Byron Murphy. Decent pick. Let's go to 2020. Let's look at their draft then. Isaiah Simmons. Okay, I'll give it to them there. Josh Jones. Third round. Really a swing tackle. Lecky Fotu, defensive lineman, okay, solid role player. Rashard Lawrence, Evan Weaver, who's a free agent. And then you have Eno Benjamin, who actually looks like a decent player. Beside Chase Edmonds, which I'll give them that as well. 2021, look at their draft. Zaven Collins, I was not a fan of that pick at 11, so... I think he had a decent season. Once again, I'm not a total Cardinals guy. They traded their six-round pick, Tay Gowan, to the Eagles for a pick or something like that, whatever the case may be. They drafted Rondale Moore. He's a hit. And they also traded for Zach Ertz. But once again, a lot of these guys, it's kind of like the Ravens, but it's not. Where the Ravens, you can say, oh, well, they drafted more starters, but that was just a few years ago. Take a look at the starters on the Cardinals team. That's Chandler Jones and Zach Ertz. Kyler Murray, yes. James Connors is starting running back. 
a lot of their guys are just back-end players, they're depth players. Where you could say for the Giants organization, oh, they drafted Carter Coughlin, they drafted this guy, they drafted that guy. They're all back-end players of the roster. They're all depth guys. You need starters. And when you don't get it done in free agency via signing players or trading for players, it's not going to work out. So, honestly, I think the Cardinals are just lucky that they traded for Hopkins, that James Connors being the guy that he is, and some of these other moves, I think they're just lucky because of the free agent route and the trading route. Otherwise, I don't think they're successful like they are right now. So I'm going to be honest with you, Adrian Wilson is a little bit inexperienced for me, at least, to really take this job as the general manager. And then Quentin Harris, um, I would welcome him a little bit more. Just that I'm not a fan of the Cardinals' philosophy and all that. So... Let's get to the 49ers, guys, and then we'll actually finish out with Ryan Poles. So let me go on Ran Carthon. Not too experienced. Not too experienced. So he was a running back for the Colts between 2004 and 2006. Spent an offseason with the Detroit Lions, was cut from there. About a year and a half later, went to the Falcons as a pro scout. Had that job till 2011. 2012 moves on to the St. Louis slash LA Rams director of player personnel. Holds that position until 2016. Moves with the crew to San Francisco in 2017 and continues his directing. Just goes to pro personnel. So let me view the description. Let me read it to you guys. Rand Carthen. Enters his first season as director of personnel after serving five seasons as the director of pro personnel with the 49ers. In his role, Carthen manages the pro scouting department in evaluating players among the professional leagues while continuing his duties of advanced scouting of the 49ers' upcoming opponents. In addition, he prepares the club for acquisitions through free agency, trades, and daily waiver wire. I just, a little inexperience. It just doesn't seem that he sticks anywhere. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's just a feeling I have. I just don't think he's ready for the job. I would honestly put him at nine because I think he needs more time. And, yes, you could argue, well, Adrian Wilson, yeah, he's only been scouting since 2015. Right, but this guy just doesn't seem to stick anywhere. And his resume is not too great it's not too up there like yeah he's been with the 49ers the last couple of years the la rams the st louis rams between 2012 and 2016 the jeff fisher era not really a, a good spot you want to be in i guess not really a thing you want to remember and there was a pro scout with the atlanta falcons but just not a fan of this guy just not a fan of his resume and there's very limited information on this guy out there so we have two more candidates, and then I'll rank the candidates, in my opinion. Adam Peters. So, here is his resume. Scouting assistant with the New England Patriots, started there 2003-2008. Other occupations while scouting with the Denver Broncos, 2009-2015. 2016 was promoted to the director of college scouting, named the VP of player personnel, 
in 2017 for San Francisco 49ers. Promoted to assistant general manager in 2021. Him and John Lynch reportedly hit it off at a production meeting for the NFL playoffs in like 2016 or something, or whatever the year was. And Lynch liked Peters to had a somewhat of a relationship. And then obviously they went to San Francisco. So apparently Peters is credited for the acquisitions and the draftings of the following players. Von Miller, Chris Harris, Malik Jackson, CJ Anderson, all who played key roles in the Super Bowl 50 championship for the Denver Broncos and reportedly banged the table for George Kittle in his first year with San Francisco in 2017. Now, George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. I think he came out of Iowa or something like that, but he was a fifth-round pick. Not a lot of people knew about him. He banged the table and stuff like that. So from there, they went on, they drafted him, and he's breaking records left and right. Apparently, Bill Belichick and John Elway have spoken good things about Peters, and he was also a strong supporter and banged the table for Trey Lance. Apparently, it was John Lynch's doing or Shanahan's doing. I forget which person, but one of those two guys, they went after Jimmy Garoppolo, and one of them was not a fan of it, and the relationship really hasn't been the greatest over the last couple of years. Sorry about that. That's why... I was talking earlier about, well, someone wrote an article on Sports Illustrated about Adam Peters stepping up as the GM. That way, nobody takes him, and John Lynch is just the face of front office, but Adam Peters is really doing the work. And it really seems that way right now, apparently. So here are a couple of different factoids about Adam Peters. Adam Peters is in his 18th season in the NFL, and fourth as a vice president of player personnel for the 49ers. Obviously, they didn't really remark upon the fact that he was promoted to assistant GM. He joined the 49ers after spending eight seasons with the Denver Broncos in 2016. Peters was named the Broncos director of college scouting after spending two seasons as the team's assistant director of college scouting. Peters spent three years as a national scout after originally joining the Broncos as a regional scout in 2009. Since Peters' arrival, San Francisco has drafted all pros George Kittle, Fred Warner, along with key contributors, Mike McGlinchey, Brandon Ayuk, Ambry Thomas, Debo Samuel, obviously superstar Nick Bosa, and Elijah Mitchell. Last year, Peters was among the final four candidates, Ryan Poles as well, for the Panthers general manager position and is viewed by many inside the NFL as a rising executive earmarked to run his organization, his own organization in the future. So... Let me say this about the 49ers. I personally, in ways, like what they're doing. Despite all the supposed not getting along in the front office. But, they're very stuck to their scheme. They're very hands-on with their scheme. Opposite of Joe Shane, where he's like, okay, we need some versatile players, not just one scheme, but they need to fit a bunch of schemes. That way, if a coordinator leaves, we won't have any issues. The 49ers are not really like that. Obviously, with the running game, they're very outside zone, athletic offensive linemen, and that's where their offense really comes out of. And then they have a game manager, at best, with Jimmy Garoppolo. They obviously drafted Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo has been the starter 
obviously, for a couple of years now, and he looks to maintain that position. But I think it's Kyle Shanahan, if I'm not mistaken, who wants him out of there as soon as possible, wants to put Trey Lance in. So there's a lot to go about that. And it's really difficult to replicate a scheme, whether it's New England, San Francisco, Minnesota, this, that, Arizona. We tried doing that with the Betcher era. Didn't work. It's very hard to replicate a scheme and a scheme like this. So if Adam Peters was to come to the Giants and let's just say Mike McDaniel, the nerd dude, is the head coach, is that scheme really going to work? I don't know. Because if we draft players specifically for that scheme, maybe the scheme doesn't work and he's out in two, three years. We have players from that scheme who don't know how to work in other schemes, and we have to cut them, we have to trade them, we have to get rid of them. So there are a lot of positives with the way the 49ers are conducting themselves as an organization, as a front office. But that being said, there's a lot of negatives, especially when you're talking about the Giants organization. If this was the Bills, if this was a successful organization and there was just a GM retiring with a foundation set, okay, we would be having this conversation. But that's just my worry about Adam Peters and really the 49ers and the way they conduct themselves as an organization if they were to bring a scheme or a similar scheme or a prototype, whatever the hell you want to call it, a prototype of the scheme that they run in San Francisco to the New York Giants. Because we all know when the Giants try to recreate schemes and copy schemes, it does not fucking work. So, final one. I want to get get you guys out of here uh, almost an hour already. I know I took that much of your time. Joe Shane obviously went over all the other candidates, so let's go to Ryan Poles. I don't have too much to talk about on him, but here is his resume, at least according to his LinkedIn account. And I'm surprised a lot of these guys actually do have LinkedIn accounts. But anyway, was a football recruiting graduate's assistant between October of 2008 to May 2009, eight months at Boston College, where he was an offensive lineman. This was really after, I think, he was an undrafted free agent for the Chicago Bears. That career didn't work out for him. But obviously, he knows the ins and outs of offensive line because he was an offensive lineman. So, joined the Chiefs as a scouting assistant in May 2009 to May 2010. From there, he was promoted to college scouting coordinator till June 2016 uh, when he took over as the director of college scouting till 2018. 2018, he was promoted to the assistant director of player personnel till May 2021. And then he was promoted to executive director of player personnel. So here's another description on him. Peter, uh, Peters, I got the 49ers in my head now. Poles 36 is completing his first season as the Kansas City Chiefs Executive Director of Player Personnel and 13th year with the team. Poles oversees all aspects of scouting of college football, players across the country, assisting in the pro process and prepares for free agency in addition to assisting the general manager, Brett Veach, with coordination of the NFL draft and overseeing the team's out-of-town area scouts. So let me say this about the Chiefs. Obviously, their defense isn't known to be very good. Their offense, obviously. But as someone else said it, I think it was Bobby Skinner of uh, Talking Giants, so shouts to him. I don't want to take too much away from him in terms of crediting and not crediting. But he said that the Kansas City Chiefs 
that their scheme is very player-driven. And obviously, when you think of the Kansas City Chiefs, Tyree Kill, Nicole Hardman, Clyde Edwards-Elair, all these other guys, very speedy guys that can fit in multiple schemes. But that's a good thing. And just overall, without giving too much of a synopsis, Kansas City Chiefs have been successful for multiple seasons. And just to show, uh, Brian Poles has been a part of them, part of the organization for a long time now. Romeo Cornell, I think he was the head coach in 2009-2010, not very successful. Then they moved on to Reed, but also multiple quarterback eras as well. Patrick Mahomes and before that Alex Smith. Before that, I believe it was Matt Castle. A couple other things as well. So, let me say this as well about the Chiefs. They know how to dig out a couple offensive linemen. Obviously, they traded for Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith. This past draft, they got rid of a couple offensive linemen. Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, I believe his name was. Levert Duvernay Tardy, if they traded the Jets. And a couple other guys... They just traded off, released, whatever. So they rebuilt that offensive line. Now, did it obviously click week one? No, not totally. But they signed Joe Tooney. They uh, traded for Orlando Brown. They drafted Creed Humphrey. They drafted Trey Smith. And then they also drafted Lucas Niang the year prior. And he was an opt-out. He opted out his rookie year. Which is not really a position you want to be for the Kansas City Chiefs. But Mike Remmers and Mitchell Schwartz took over that role. And then... Obviously, Lucas Diang was ready this year. So, Ryan Poles, honestly, would be in my top four. He would be in my top four. And I understand I'm just rambling, but there's not a lot on these guys. And him as an offensive lineman, he would know how to construct an offensive line. With that being said, other parts of the roster matter as well. So, with that being said, let me rank my top candidates. Number nine, Rand Carthon. Number eight. I'm going to go Adrian Wilson. Number seven, I'm going to go Quentin Harris. Number six, Monty Austinfort. Let me just make sure I'm not forgetting anybody. Six, Austinfort. Number five, Cowden. Number four, I would go Hortiz. Number three, I would go Holes. Number two, I would go Peters. And number one, I would go Joe Shane. So that's an episode. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Uh, I apologize if uh, I was rambling for a little bit and I apologize for my inactivity. But uh, I'll get you guys out of here. Remember, we're streaming the Steelers Chiefs game. Peace out, guys. See you later. And stay cool.